Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode of CanadaLand is brought to you by TunnelBear. TunnelBear is the simple VPN app that makes it easy to browse privately and enjoy a more open internet. You can try TunnelBear for free by visiting tunnelbear.com slash CanadaLand. Elamin Abdel-Mahmoud. Yeah. Social media editor for BuzzFeed Canada. Good to have you back again. Thanks, man. Today we're going to talk about Prime Minister Christia Freeland's fuck y'all address. I'm on that team, 100%. Okay. We are going to talk about Trump supporting Canadians. Tens of, tens of them, <laughs> who marched on Ottawa last weekend and magically became a small army via breitbart Ovision. <laughs> and we are going to talk about McLean's Magazine's Scott Gilmore who is determined to save the First Nations people of Canada. Imagine if you cared. It is good to have you back. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Ross Corindia, Alex Gauvin, Andre Laflamme, David Woodruff, Sherry Monsell, Ben Petrie, Lena Rubisova, and Donald Calabrese. Donald, why did you decide to be awesome? I support Canada Land because now we are living on the edge of fascism and independent journalism is the only thing that will keep us from falling over that edge. And Elamine, to today's episode, as I mentioned, is brought to you by Tunnel Bear. Right. You seem to be a gentleman who would be concerned with uh, safe and secure and private internet surfing. At all times. Tunnel Bear is the way to do this. It is the simple VPN app that makes it easy to browse privately and enjoy a more open internet. 
There is no denying how convenient it is to enjoy Wi-Fi in public. Do I have to establish that it's convenient? Yes, we know this. We know that public Wi-Fi, yeah, we use Wi-Fi in airports. We use it in Tim Hortons. But it is not safe. It's just not safe. You can get tracked. You can get hacked. Unprotected connections on public networks allow anyone with the right tools to collect your logins, passwords, sensitive emails, and even your banking information. I have gotten used to doing anything anywhere. Likewise. You know? And I, I sometimes forget that... I'm vulnerable. And that's why you need to turn on your bear. Tunnel Bear's app features simple on-off controls, gives you powerful AES 256-bit encryption on all of your devices. That sounds like a lot. This easy-to-use VPN protects your privacy by swapping out identifying information and connecting you securely to a Tunnel Bear server in the country of your choice. That's cool, too. You can choose which country you appear to be serving from because different countries get different stuff on the internet. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. If you lose your Wi-Fi connection, TunnelBear will automatically block all unsecured traffic until you reconnect. You can try TunnelBear for free. This is the part to pay attention to. Try TunnelBear for free. You don't need a credit card. Get your bear today at tunnelbear.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. The fact that our friend and ally has come to question the very worth of its mantle of global leadership puts into sharper focus the need for the rest of us to set our own clear and sovereign course. For Canada, that course must be the renewal 
indeed the strengthening of the post-war multilateral order. Okay, Elamine, that was Christia Freeland all over the papers today. This is the big news. Totally unprecedented. I don't think there's ever been a minister of foreign affairs who's given such a marquee speech like this and signal a shift in Canada's entire foreign policy, trade policy, military policy. And it totally flipped the narrative of what I understood this administration's relationship to the Trump administration to be. We've, you know, we've seen Trudeau like just very careful to not upset a follicle of synthetic hair on Trump's head. And then here comes Christia Freeland with this like, we're going like MGTOW, we're going our own way. <laughs> Middle powers who go their own way. That's us. Yeah. We can't rely on our American ally for protection simply because of our geography. And goes on to talk about everything we're going to do with or without America, without America, military, trade. What did you make of this? Well, I mean, there are some strong words here, right? Like Canadian diplomacy and development sometimes require the backing of hard power. Hard power. This is Canada. This is the country that just commissioned interim super hornets because we're like, I don't know if we should go super hard on these F-35s, right? Like we are sort of trying to develop an entirely new doctrine from Canada and no one really seems to know what this entails on the world stage. Yeah, I found it really perplexing and vague and she is the toast of the media and she is of the media. She comes from us. Everybody seems to be very proud of her. People are already talking about her as, uh, you know, the heir apparent to Trudeau after this. I'm just confused. I'm confused by a few. Like, first of all, I don't buy necessarily that this was like, wow, she is stepping out on her own. Because of this, of course, this follows Angela Merkel saying kind of the exact same thing in late May. The times in which we could completely depend on others are to a certain extent over. And that uh, Europeans have to take fate into our own hands. That sounds like the same thrust. But then, like, what the fuck is she talking about? Like, on an emotional level, it hits me as like, yeah, fuck Trump. Like, like enough of just trying to kowtow and placate this bastard. We have to work with whatever countries are still interested in having a stable world to maintain the world order of trade and security. That sounds reasonable to me in a certain way. But then I actually, like, think about what she said. And I'm like, so wait a second. We're going to become a hard power and spend billions of dollars on military because we can't rely – on America to help us with military, like defense of our border? I, I, think I think we it's, can. I think it's more than that, though. I think it's like about the general promise of liberalism. So like, try to remember back, I think it was June that Obama came to speak in the House of Commons. And he uh-huh. gave this amazing speech. I mean, like, I'm just like an Obama shill. So I'm just going to say it's amazing. Uh, but it was a really great speech about how there are a lot of forces trying to threaten global liberalism in general. And he sort of, I mean, to me, that was him handing the baton over to Trudeau to be like, and it's on you now, bro. Like, it's on you to carry the torch of this global order, whatever that means. I think there were like some specific strong words in Freeland's speech yesterday that I think came up in the Obama speech. So, for example, she said the sanctity of borders, which is like a direct hit at Russia. So they're trying to say, like, listen, in a post-Trump world, if Trump is not going to step up to keep the global order intact which is what the U.S. has been doing since 1945. Uh-huh. I guess Canada's going to be the one to do it, which sounds funny. In <laughs> It sounds absurd. It does sound absurd. Yeah. It's like you and what army, literally. Right. Well, I, I think that what would this would indicate, look, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, I, I could talk about the press's response to Freeland and talk about the questions I have about that. But 
reshaping the new the, the the new world order or maintaining the new world order or talking about policy matters or like the speech was written in such code and it lacked so many specifics that it was obviously a series of signals and echoes to an Obama speech to Merkel. She didn't actually mention Trump by name. Mm-hmm. Making sense of that and decoding that is absolutely beyond my idiot brain. I turned to the press to try to help me with that, and, and I didn't really get very far. So that sounds like like a consistent narrative to me. That sounds like it makes sense. I, I, I think that the idea that we're going to be the leaders of that is absurd, but for us to maybe follow the more powerful and, and unified, you know, Angela Merkel, that sounds like a better, that makes more sense. And us following her lead in that without pissing off, and maybe the strategy is like, let's just wait Trump out. Maybe he'll get impeached. Maybe it'll be four years or eight, but let's hope he doesn't completely shit the bed and by the bed I mean the entire planet and maybe we'll kind of like have some kind of a of a, of a status quo left intact when somebody more sensible is in charge is that what we're talking about well I mean like there's a, there's this thing that international relations experts like to say that like listen if the US wasn't the superpower that it is who would you rather fill that void you know they keep being like because somebody has to power is a vacuum and somebody's going to step up and I guess this was Canada's in signal of intention to be a part of that vacuum because it's going to take a lot more than just one country, specifically Germany, to sort of refill that vacuum. I, there's this part, and this is, man, like I'm a, I like big speeches, even if they signal nothing. Like I just, I'm, I'm such a romantic that I'm just like, if you give me a good speech, I'll be good for like a day, like maybe two. Uh, but there's this part. dangerous, my I, friend. Oh, I recognize that. All right. I recognize it. But there's this part of the speech where she says, the fact that our friend and ally has come to question the very worth of its mantle of global leadership puts into sharper focus the need for the rest of us to set our own clear and sovereign course. To set our own clear and sovereign course. Isn't your heart soaring, Jesse? No, there's a contradiction. Right? It's, it's like sovereignty by rebuttressing these pacts and yes. NATO and NAFTA and, and, and about strength in numbers. There's such a sophistry in like reasserting democratic, like, I'm sorry, Trump is a function of a democracy. Like that is like Brexit is a function of a democracy. You can't say that like democracy is what we want it to be and and stability and status quo. Like right now, democracy is rearing its head in un- unprecedented and chaotic ways. That's that is democracy. And like less global ways, right? And that's yeah. a problem for certain people, particularly like a country like Canada that relies so much on trading, that relies so much on sort of exerting its influence in like these diplomatic ways. Like we go to other countries and be like, you should be more like us. We don't beat them about it, but we, we kind of, you know, we say be more like us. And I think there's going to be more of that. I'm terrified of this military side of it. And I think by, by the time people hear this on Thursday, there will be a, a follow-up speech by Harjit Sajjan where he's going to talk about what they're going to do with all that money. What folly are we going to stumble into now under this mantle of hard power from Canada? Like, where's that going to take us? I'm terrified by all this stuff. I mean, I guess the world is just terrifying and we have to figure out where we stand within it. It seems like we want to have it both ways. It's so funny. Like, these words just mean whatever you want them to. Like, Freeland's talking about sovereignty. It's exactly the words that Trump would use to talk about his America first shit. You know, like, it's just, you know, choose your own adventure. I think it was like seven or eight years ago that Bob Ray wrote a pretty good book. Like, I don't know if it's aged perfectly well, called Exporting Democracy. And, you know, it's about all the different ways that you could go into a country and say, you guys should have more, you know, rule of law, general egalitarianism, general, you know, liberalism. And 
The reason I say it hasn't aged very well is I don't think it predicted the rise of someone like Trump. But at the time, he was trying to like contrast like the George Bush version of liberalism of like we go into Iraq and suddenly they have McDonald's and they're welcome with uh, with like a softer <laughs> kind of power that Canada might exert, which uh-huh. is to say, you know, we go into certain places, we might try to fix them, Afghanistan notwithstanding. And, <laughs> and uh, Afghanistan is like the worst example. Of this. Reality notwithstanding. <laughs> right. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Afghanistan notwithstanding, we try, you know, we try to help them and then try to teach them whatever the Canadian way is. Uh-huh. And I think this is a signal to that. Like, I think that speech was a signal to that kind of thinking. Let's talk about Trump supporters in Canada. Let's do it. And how they are perceived. Yes. Maybe you could take a stab at this. What happened? Did anything happen in Ottawa? <laughs> well, like, the photos are not convincing. A certain number of people, anywhere between 20... And 5,000, no one knows how many, no, we do know how many, turned up at the Hill and they were protesting. Uh, They were a pro-Trump rally in the middle of Ottawa. And Breitbart ran a story that was from a freelancer that works for them uh, that wrote that 5,000 people attended this rally. Now, they said up to, (laughs) right, up to 5,000 people. I don't know if they realize, but like 5,000 people on Parliament Hill is like a serious force. Like you can't miss that. It's not that large of a space. You'd be like, that is a shit ton of people. Yeah. This was not that from the picture. We have cameras here and everything. We do. We can count people and everything. How many people do you think were there? What What are the best estimates? Well, the Parliamentary Protective Services says about three to 400 people. Uh-huh. And then there's an Ottawa constable And were all says, of those people the pro-Trump? No, because there was also another rally going on. Uh-huh. That was, what was it for? Lyme disease? <laughs> Is that what it was? uh, No, it wasn't a rally for Lyme disease, I mean. It was a a rally for Lyme disease awareness. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm told that the pro Lyme disease rally were a million people. (laughs) A million for Lyme disease. Up to a million people in support of Lyme disease also happened, but nobody had a camera. Yeah. So this was just a. I think your boss, Craig Silverman, what he, he wouldn't call it a fake news story because a fake news story has to be like out of some Macedonian teenager's content mill. This is a lying news story. This is a, right. a deliberately uh, constructing a different world news story. Okay. This is an alternative fact news story. Yeah. So if Breitbart represents, there are things less credible than Breitbart. And the broken telephone of headlines, if if Breitbart is careful to mitigate, if they're like, yeah, I'm not so sure about this 5,000, let's say up to 5,000, then the Daily Caller, whatever that is, just runs thousands of Canadians. Yeah. Thousands of Canadian, uh, quote unquote, deplorables marched to support Trump and oppose Trudeau. I think that what struck me about this bullshit is that Canada is a useful rhetorical device for both sides. You know, that when Americans want to make points and they misrepresent Canada to make those points, either as a progressive haven or as a You place, mean we're not perfect? Well, we, we, we may be imperfect, but it's more about like, it doesn't matter to them what, what reality is here. What right. we are is just like, a, it's like, it's just Canada. Who cares? Like this helps our narrative. There's thousands of Trump supporters in Canada and, uh, you know, in that land of Trudeau, there's lots of people who have taken the red pill or whatever. You know, we have- kind of played ourselves because usually when we're misrepresented, we like it. We like it when people say, oh, Canada is this progressive haven of multiculturalism, same-sex marriage, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We don't correct it. Yeah. And we take the parts that are accurate and we leave out the parts that are omitted because we like being described in that way. And it kind of leaves us with very little leg to stand on when we get twisted for other purposes. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And this was like sort of a perfect example of that. 
Your beat is social media itself and it's the echo dream. chambers and the and the the circuits of information and misinformation. That is a hot beat right now. Well, I, I work as a social media editor, and what that really means is like I'm responsible for our social media channels. But within that universe, yeah, I'm exposed to all kinds of manipulations, subtle manipulations. Like it's so easy to change a story by changing the headline and changing the thumb to just sell it as something entirely different than what it is. You see this happen every day. See this happen every single day. And that's like what this whole fake news industry sort of relies on, right? Is uh, there's, there's a crazy equation that's happening on your own Facebook feed. Like when you are scrolling down and you see a post from the New York Times that's been vetted by seven editors, you know, and three writers, and then a post from someone who's, let's say, not as trustworthy, uh, who I don't know where they're getting their information from. Like it physically looks the same on your newsfeed. Right. Yeah. As you're scrolling, it just it all just looks like, oh, there's just a bunch of news uh, news articles. And this one is just as legitimate as that one. I think most people don't necessarily go into that level of detail of beyond the headline or beyond the thumb image. Didn't you guys report that there's now like just a, a simple like web based app where it's like fool your friends with a fake news story? Yes, there is. And you just you, you plop in your headline image and text and it, it pumps out a shareable story that like looks like it's from an authoritative news source. That's right. And like. Think of how crazy that is. Like, think of how crazy of a universe we live in that that's possible. At least before, when you wanted to fool your friend and you and the newspapers were the authoritative form, you know, you had to like, I don't know, have access to a printing press in order to like produce a fucking... <laughs> you, you say that like it's something that people did. No, but that's I want to fool my friend. I just mean like... Let me do a few runs I, on this offset. I just mean, I just mean it like it, it took serious effort, you know? No, look, this is what thrilled and excited me like... But the internet? About the internet and also like the internet, for some of us old timers, the internet almost was like a answer to a question. Like if like back at uh, both punk zine culture and hip hop culture and this kind of like desire during a period like in the 90s where there was such a distinction between mass media, mainstream media and anything you can make at home. And we used to sit around and think like, man, like what if an indie band could have the same platform as anybody? Or what if we could put out a zine and rather than looking like a shitty little photocopy thing, it looked like the real thing? This is what you fuckers get. This is what we get. This is what you get. But no, this this is what has given me a career in many ways. I mean, though I worked within the mainstream, I started off doing this in my bedroom. I came full circle doing this essentially in my bedroom. That was a dream and it's realized and it's but it's realized in ways that are terrifying as well as, you know, wonderful. Wonderful is me and terrifying is this other stuff. Of course. But but there's also, there's something to be said about being vetted, being publicly accountable, right? Yeah. Um, And when you get, when you remove that particular element is that if if everybody has a microphone and they're all saying the same shit and it all looks the same without being properly vetted, without being, without going through the process of saying, yeah, I trust you. No, I don't trust you. Is you get a whole, you get a fire hose of shit, right? Like that's what we're dealing with at this point. We are, I, I guess my hope and, you know, our role that we're trying to play is is that, yes, everything gets formatted and scraped the same way into Facebook. And yes, a lot of people get taken in by things that look like, you know, and you can tweak things. Some of it is really willfully deceptive, like the Washington Herald or some, some fake paper. And it's just like, it's easy to dress something up like a real thing. But I give people credit for rolling with the punches and for a high level of media sophistication as we adjust. And I think we're seeing a new value being placed on trusted sources and and on 
whoever is doing the work of separating this from that and telling you who's who, which is where we try to come in, you know? I like your optimism. I don't know if it's warranted. Yeah. I don't know if it's unwarranted. I think it's too early to tell at this point because, listen, these news sites keep popping up. Well, these fake news sites keep popping up every day. And these people make a ton of money doing what they do. And there's a great deal of attention being paid to them. And now the newest format of circulating information is just creating memes, right? Like you no longer have to even create like a website that looks like a news story. Like you can just cram a bunch of wrong information to a meme and it will share better. So we're dealing with new challenges that we haven't even crossed yet. Yeah, I guess my my absolute sentimental optimism is that there's a bottom line that is truth and and that... And, and I, I, you know, I've been critical of the the idea that, like, just by virtue of its masthead, something like, you know, say the Globe and Mail gets there just as, I don't know, just as, but a lot of misinformation can come from trusted sources, ultimately, sure, and sure. a lot of true information can come from the bottom. And, and But there are 33,000 shares on a Breitbart story I that know. says 5,000 people showed up in Ottawa to show support for I know, but what do we, the value of a share by somebody who threw their confirmation bias doesn't care if that story is true or not. It just helps them think the way that they want to think. So they they hit share. Yes. I don't care about them. I care about all the people who scroll past that. Yeah. Yeah. I I hear you. There's a lot of bullshit out there and and it's, it's almost just like system overload. It's not even about separating truth from fiction. It's just that you, you throw your hands up in the air. Ultimately, I hope that stuff that matters bears out because it is provable, you know? Yeah. But, uh, good luck in the wasteland afterwards. We're going to get to Duly Noted in a minute, but first I want to thank our second sponsor, Casper Mattresses. Casper Elamine is a sleep brand, a sleep brand that has created one perfect mattress, sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house, has a sleek design. You look like a man who appreciates a sleek mattress. Here's the thing. I own a Casper, and it's the greatest thing in my house. God bless you. Welcome back. That's <laughs> They're really comfortable. I'm not, I'm not even here for your ad. I'm just talking about my sleep, which has gotten so much better since getting Casper. Me too. And if you're like me, when it arrived in its little box, you're like, what is in this? There's not a mattress in this. And then there's a mattress and it just, it comes out. Casper also makes an adaptive pillow, soft, breathable sheets. It is a very high quality product. It is incredibly convenient and risk-free to buy one. Obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price, supportive memory foams with over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars. It is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Shipping is free, as are returns, if it comes to that, in the U.S. and Canada. You can try it for free for 100 nights, risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they pick it up and refund you everything. Elamine, it is designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. of A. America first, buddy. Go to casper.com slash Land. And use the offer code CANADALAND for $50 off of their already shockingly fair price on a mattress. Terms and conditions apply. Elamine, you are familiar with our segment, Duly Noted, in which we note things duly? Hell yeah. I'm going to start by just noting something that was enraging and awful that uh, should should be noted by everybody, which is this uh, story that I believe was first reported by CBC. Sex assault victim jailed in Edmonton. You heard that right. The sex assault victim jailed in Edmonton by the judge. The trial of her alleged attacker, a stranger who stabbed her allegedly and sexually assaulted her, she was in chains. She had to sleep in the same facility as her attacker, I think like a few cells over. She had to travel with him in a police services van What the hell, man? 
that's all. Like, it's just it just made my head explode that this happens. And and it's one of these things. Like, no, there must be more of this. There must. Be, and it's just, you get to the story, and she's there. The judge had concerns about was she fit to give testimony, or would she run away? And she's pleading and saying, "I'm the victim here. Why am I in chains?" Whatever the judge's concerns were, there's just no way that this is how it's supposed to happen. And it made me wonder what happens with a story that is like in this age of outrage, truly an outrage, truly something. And I, I saw it shared with the same comment. Everybody was like, I hope heads will roll over this. If this is true, yeah. I hope heads will roll. And I just wonder like the, the hot minute of outrage, do heads roll? Like I do believe in the power of the press. I think that when that these things do tend to sunlight being the best disinfectant and when things like this go around, people tend to get held responsible. It's hard to hold judges responsible. I was going to say not with judges, right? That's It's never the case with judges. <sighs> we had that one case. With the, why don't you just keep your knees together, Judge? Oh, sure. One. You know? Good. Yeah, I share your skepticism about this, and I just feel like I'm just signal boosting because this is this is no, it's a fuck. Know. It's a really fucked up story. Yeah, yeah. Duly noted. What do you got? I just read a crazy piece in the Times by Amanda Hess, who's a wonderful writer, and she wrote about Lively, which is a relatively new app from the same people who brought you Musically. And if I'm talking in in tongues right now, let me just break down what Musically is. Do you know what Musically is? First, what's an app? <laughs> Well, it's Tell me a mobile-based. Okay, so Musically is a, is a incredibly popular teen app, popular with teens, popular with kids, where you essentially get to make a short little music video of yourself. It's super adorable. If you're wondering where teens are, they're not on Snapchat anymore. They've moved over to Musically. So if you're on Snapchat, you're too old. Get get off of it. Full disclosure: I own shares in Snapchat. <laughs> So I will recuse myself from debating. Okay. You know, Musical.ly saw that they were, that their app was being used to record not just short music videos, but also a lot of fun little, uh, I don't know, like skits and stuff. And so they, they introduced this new app called Lively. And it's essentially just a live video broadcasting app. It has now replaced Periscope as the most popular live broadcast app that there is on the on the App Store. But it's being used primarily by teens. Like Amanda has this piece, talks about this kid who goes to lunch and then he just like sets up his phone and then it's like his viewers are eating lunch with him. And the, the top users of Lively get paid. Like you, you, you pay money in order for your comment to be seen by the live broadcaster. So this kid, he gets a little gift anywhere from between five cents and $50 so that someone can have their comment rise above the other comments so they can read it and maybe respond to it. The top users of Lively make 16 grand a month broadcasting their lives. What are we doing to teens, man? Is this kid one of them? I don't know if he was one of the top ones, but I know that he quit school. He quit school. He quit school. He's now being homeschooled. And the way that he put it was so he can focus on, like, you know, broadcasting live. Okay, but you said he he, he broadcasts himself eating lunch. This kid, any kid could do that. What what about this kid is so entertaining? There's got to be something. Just living, man. Just living, broadcasting lives. Yeah, you don't really have to offer anything, I guess. Duly noted. (laughs) The Intercept, it seems, has accidentally exposed a source. Yes, with a very unusual name. Reality Winner is the name of the alleged source. And this is a terrifying story to any journalist. Like just like there before the grace of God, chills run away. Their story is that this was an anonymous source who sent them top secret US intelligence documents. And the Intercept fucked up in trying to verify the documents, which were printouts, by showing the original documents to US government officials. And if you don't know it, color 
printers spy on you. They embed little codes of ink which say which serial number, what time, which specific printer. I didn't know this before this story. I didn't know this either. And I maybe The Intercept didn't know this. I know why, or I imagine why, I assume why they use the original. When you're trying to get a document confirmed, there's a high chance that, like, is this is this an actual document or is it a forgery? And it's in the government's interest to say, oh, that's obviously a forgery. So presenting the document- The original. The original, it gives it a higher level of, you're, you're basically communicating to them, like, don't lie. Yeah. Don't lie. We, 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 we know this is real. We know it and, and there's no point in lying about it. But it, in doing so and not- being aware of these sort of hidden identifiers, it seems that the government was able to check their own records of who had accessed those documents, who had printed them, and it all led to this woman reality winner, who I think is in a huge amount of trouble right now. Yeah. This is the wake up in the middle of the night with cold sweats, fear of any journalist exposing a source. It made me think of a few things. It made me think like, I mean, first of all, journalists need to have – we need to codify and, and, and think uh, very thoroughly about our hygiene with these materials and how we handle sources. I have had more experience working with confidential sources than anonymous sources who are, not, who are unknown to me. Right. Benefit of having a confidential source who says, Jesse, you know who my name, what my name is, but you can't publish my name. The benefit of that is you can go to the source and say, let's go over what we're going to show – what we're going to publish, what we're going to show to the, the powers that be, and let's let's work together to think of anything that might identify you. But that doesn't give me much, you know, like anything could give it away. It's right. just such risky business. You're playing with somebody's life, their job, their freedom. I felt terrible for the journalist. Of course, I felt terrible, terrible for reality winner. I mean, this had to do with, the, I haven't mentioned yet the story. The story had to do with new revelations in the Russia tampering with, at a, to a higher degree, to a higher level than ever thought before. I think that she... As Snowden, I, be, I believe that Edward Snowden was a patriot and he was doing a patriotic duty and in, in, in informing his fellow citizens of what was happening. I think that she probably had the same idea. And uh, it's terrifying. It's terrible what's happening. Duly noted. Did you read Scott Gilmore's piece? I read Scott Gilmore's piece. Scott Gilmore, McLean's Magazine. Scott Gilmore, the husband of Christine McKenna, the minister of the environment. environment yeah. In the Trudeau administration, liberal minister, Scott Gilmore himself, a conservative who had this weird series of meals to, he's a journalist, but he's also like, hey, let's re-figure out the conservative party. I'm a conservative, like within the party doing weird political organizing stuff. Also a journalist, also married, like power in Canada, man, who in addition to all of this stuff he does amongst the circles of elite that he runs in. He's got a much more important job title and that's. Savior of Indigenous people. Savior of Indigenous people and uh, previously discussed on Shortcuts for his first tip to the Indigenous people of Canada, or not really, he never really speaks to them, he speaks about them. His tip was, we need to take these people from their homes and assimilate them and got a very passionate response to that. Well, he's back with a story that I will paraphrase or uh, adapt the headline. Oh boy. The Canada most people who aren't Scott Gilmore don't see by Scott Gilmore. Uh, it was actually The Canada Most People Don't See by Scott Gilmore, where he appeals to his reader, who I think he's imagining a white, you know, or at least a non-Indigenous reader, and he asks them to like, just hypothetically imagine, imagine if your life was this terrible. Imagine if your daughter was eaten by otters. Imagine if your wife was captured by criminals and the police were laughing at her and then they fed her to more otters. 
And then he ends this whole thing where he just, he just basically goes through the stats. Like imagine if your life was as miserable as it is for people who live in some of Canada's First Nation reserves. And then he just ends with this sentimental, imagine if you cared, as I do, Scott Kilmore. You know, he just said, imagine if you cared. Yeah. And who cares about my response? Let's just talk about how, how various other people responded. First, Jordan Carlson tweeted at Scott Kilmore and said, bringing up tragedy and statistics is good, but imagine if you cared, quote unquote, isn't exactly a ringing cry to address injustice nor place blame. To which Scott Gilmore replied, fuck you emoji. He, he, he sent to Jordan Carlson the middle finger emoji. Then a lot of people, uh, many of them indigenous responded with things both angry and funny. And I'll, I'm just going to go through them because it was, it was just, uh, I got so much more out of the response than the piece. Therese Marie Melhot imagined a, uh, a pitch session. I want to write about how bad native people have it, says Scott Gilmore. And your fresh take, says his uh, editor, imagine it was white people. <laughs> to which the editor replies, holy shit emoji. Whoa, Scott <laughs> Gilmore just blew my mind. Erica Violet Lee, Scott Gilmore is so obsessed with indigenous death and dysfunction, quote unquote, he cannot interact with us as human beings. Refuse him as an audience. Hayden King, a scholar and writer, wrote a uh, series of tweets, how to write a Scott Gilmore op-ed. <laughs> Step one, awful socioeconomic stats on First Nations without context, but lots of inappropriate comparisons that rely on stereotypes of others. Following step, wring your hands and imply explicitly state that the answer must be urgent relocation and or assimilation for their own good. And uh, and then Candleland Commons host Ryan McMahon was quick to point out, you know, Scott Gilmore is a guy who talks a lot about First Nations people, but who has blocked some of the most vocal First Nations voices on Twitter for disagreeing with him, criticizing him. So here's a guy who doesn't listen to no. some of the smartest and, and most vocal and interesting and informed people on these topics, but who is quick to speak up about them. Does not live his politics, man. He just sort of proclaims them from the mountaintop. It's really concerning after the appropriation price thing. Like if you're in the business of running a publication about Canada, about Canadian politics, about Canadian policy, fucking hire an indigenous person. I used to ask questions, you know, uh, why, why is your staff not as diverse as it could be to editors? And it was clear to me that though they hadn't put much work into it, they didn't know where to start. It's so easy now. Just look at who Scott Gilmore has blocked. <laughs> that was a really good dig. That was a well-placed dig. I'm very proud of you for that one. You know, I think the most striking part about uh, but that Gilmore piece was who the audience for it is, right? Yeah. Because like he's sort of imagining this audience, which like I don't even think the McLean's audience is like that. But he's imagining this audience that would register a sentence like, we all live in a country where the police are there to help. It's like, I have several questions about that, Scott Gilmore. <laughs> Blocked. Where, <laughs> where have you been living for the past two years? You know what I mean? When we've been having such a lively conversation about the role of police in this country. And I mean, it's a longstanding conversation. But no, like Gilmore is writing, you know, to people who, I don't know. I don't no, know we where do, they we live. No, we do know. Let's not feign incredulity. It, it, all right. And, and this is the macro issue that all of these things, the appropriation prize, like – Scott Gilmore and McLean's imagines an audience with similar sensibilities and they imagine it's white news for white people. Like, like that is the construct of, and, and, and they are not saying like, Hey, why can't you have white news for white people? McLean's is the news magazine of Canada. Globe Mail is the, like, so the discourse 
isn't getting this message of like, that's what has to change is this ingrained concept that this is for a certain kind of person by a certain kind of person. And that's the kind of person that describes what Canada is. Like, that's the problem. It seems unbelievable to me that no one in any meeting where this was pitched, where this was edited would go, wait a minute, like our readership is different than this. You know what I mean? Like, because they must know that they live in a world where people who are are not white and don't live in beautiful suburbs where police are only there to help are going to read this and they're going to have a reaction to it. So my question is like, where the fuck are those people in those newsrooms? Because I'm sure they exist. Like I'm sure they have the thought and it crosses their mind and they go, nah, you know, and they just move past it. Yeah. I don't get it. Well, a couple of things. First of all, Alison Uncles, uh, editor of McLean's, was one of the people who had to apologize for joining in on the let's raise money for the uh, appropriation award thing. And I don't know that they're wrong in conceiving of their audience as, and not just white and not just middle class, upper middle class, but but middle-aged. It's not to be nice or for the sake of social justice that they need to expand that view. It's because that is their audience. And that audience is getting smaller and dying, right? Do you want to be relevant? Do you want to continue to exist? It becomes a imperative to broaden this out. But I, I think it's going to be thrust upon them because it's it's the, the, the refreshing thing about this is people are not taking it anymore, you right. know, and they're they're demanding different. But it's not like the internet has been around for five minutes. You know what I mean? Like, sure, when there was this was a time where you would make your copy and then mail it to people and they'd open their mailboxes and be like, oh, my God, the new McLean's is here. Or they'd, you know, breeze past a newsstand and be like, that's the one. That's the one magazine I'm going to read that's going to tell me about my worldview. But in a in a much more open environment where even if I don't necessarily go to the McLean's website a lot or subscribe to McLean's on Facebook, the articles are going to come into my feed with regular sort of, you know, intervals. Like you think you'd be interested in those like breeze by views. But no, like they're not they're not at all trying to cater to those people. Yeah. And you know what? Like just for the sake of just like a good, thorough, true discourse. Like I used to ha- share some of these Scott Gilmore opinions and they're only possible in a bubble. They're only possible if you're in some weird reactionary bubble. Like it's only possible when I was like in university discussing indigenous people with other university students and there wasn't an indigenous person around that you could kind of mouth off with some knee jerk thing. Like, you know what? Those communities are so fucked up. They should just move to the cities and leave it behind and forget it. If there was an indigenous person at the table, you couldn't say that. No, you could. You know, you'd have to actually ask a question or listen, or you just feel shamed, ashamed to assert what somebody else should do and what their whole community should do. You're better off to have that person at the table. 100%. You know, 100%. your discourse is going to end. Anyhow, I, and why why in, in McLean's they're just getting rid of people left, right, and center, and I'm not going to tell them who they should fire, but like, my God, that they don't have somebody to write better takes on these issues. It really sucks. That's your Candleland Shortcuts, Elamine. This was a good time. I had a wonderful time with you. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Anybody can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com and I will read what they write to me and I'll respond when I can. We're on Twitter at Canadaland. Elamine, where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter, uh, Elamine88. That's E-L-A-M-I-N-8-8. And it's not associated with uh, white supremacists. But it is a reflection not of the 87 other elements, but the fact that you were born in 88. 100%. My God. Our website is CanadaLandShow.com. Our crowdfunding site is Patreon.com slash CanadaLand. This show is produced by Russell Gregg. If you like what we do, please support us. 